Well, people want to fit in. You ever notice that? Um, people want to fit in. And it really dawned on me this year with the, the Stanley Tumblr. I won't have all you women raise your hand if you have one. But it amazed me. I don't know if you guys knew this. Just a few years ago, um, Stanley was doing like $70 million in sales. And um, it's, it's exceeded that. Now, what is that? I think $270 million, $350 million. 750, I was way off, $750 million in sales from 70 million just a few years ago. If that's not a testimony to people wanting to fit in, I don't know what is. And if you're not convinced by that, um, where are my croc wearers at out there? That's a stupid shoe, it's a rubber clog, right? Um, and, and you just, you wear them, um, there's no excuse for it other than, than culture, right? We, we become a part of culture. Um, I was having a conversation with my kids, right? And we've all been guilty of this. I was a counterculture kid back in the 90s, um, and so that that meant I wore a dog collar. Yes, I had one um, for a brief period of time. I had black hair. And it's funny, even counterculture people, what do they do? They end up looking all the same. Everybody in the 90s that was against culture had a, a, a dog collar and black hair and looked like an idiot wearing these giant Jinko jeans and all the stupid things, right? People want to fit in. People want to fit in. I wrote this down. It says, God created us for relationships and for community. Because of that, we have a deep-seated desire to fit in with the people we spend the most time with. No one is exempt, especially the people trying to escape it. They all look the same. Every fall we see this too, as every woman has some stupid hat and, and long brown boots and, um, and they're going to Starbucks drinking some god-awful um, pumpkin spice cappuccino. It tastes like garbage. What is pumpkin spice? It's not even pumpkin. It's ridiculous, right? But it's this culture where we seek to fit in, right? And in a strong God-fearing Christian culture, this is a good thing. It's a good thing, right? If everybody is pursuing morality, it's great. It's a great thing. It can be a good thing. But that's not us. That's not us. Unfortunately, our world is broken. People are sinful, and our culture is post-Christian. You know, this was a country growing up, and I've told this before. I used to lie about being a Christian in the 90s. I didn't go to church. I wasn't one. I was the farthest thing from a kid that, that was in this that, that you could be. But I remember being embarrassed back then, and people would be like, you go to church? I'd be like, yeah, right? And I, I didn't know. I didn't know. I, I, just, I just wanted to be a part of it. Well, today, it's the exact opposite. Our culture's moved in such a way. I know my kids, bless their heart, they probably like sharing dad's stories of being a drug addict and a drug dealer far more than they like sharing with their classmates that I'm a pastor, right? It's less embarrassing to say, yeah, my dad's been arrested like two dozen times, right? That, that's a good thing because culture shifted so much. It shifted and we wanna fit in. Nobody wants to be a pastor's kid. Nobody wants to be associated with the things of God. And, and that's all of us, right? We've all found ourselves in embarrassing moments where we've lied or we've downplayed our love for Jesus. We don't, be, we don't be the weird one, right? We don't wanna be the one that stands out. We don't wanna be the one that's against the grain, right? That's, that's going against the flow. Nobody wants to be that. We wanna be a part of the in crowd, whatever that crowd happens to be that goes along with what we want. What we want's the key there. But our world is broken. People are sinful. Our culture is post-Christian. That means in a place where the normal was to trend towards morality, it's now the opposite. We are encouraged not only to celebrate our indulgences, but to do so with pride. To go against the things of God in a bold, spit-in-his-face kind of way. All in the name of being in. All in the name of being in. Tonight, as you guys have gotten quiet and uncomfortable, right? You're like, ah, oh, man, shouldn't have come tonight. Should have stayed home, man. It's too late. Doors are locked. You're here. Um, but tonight, 
Tonight, we're going to continue our recenter series, right? We started off the year with this, and it was about getting back to the basics, getting back to the things of God. And if you're not a believer, and I get it, there's some of you in here that you're not bought into this. You're sitting here thinking, I wish this guy would shut his mouth. I don't believe any of it. I'm here to get a piece of paper signed for the court. God bless you. I'm glad you're here. But I want you to lean in too, because like it or not, studies show inside the church and outside of the church that living a Christ-like life leads to a better life. And so we started this re-centered series because we want to get back on track. Because the truth of the matter is, at one point in time in your life, when you surrendered to God, you were on fire for him, right? There was something in you. You desired to change. And maybe, maybe like me, you got into it a little bit and you're like, this is actually hard. I don't want to do it. I want to go back to easy. I want to go back to living from my flesh and living from myself. But, but we want to talk about getting back to the basics, how to get back on track when we lose sight of our direction. Matthew 7, 13 through 14 says this, you can enter God's kingdom only through a narrow gate. Say narrow gate. That's not at all what culture wants us to believe, right? That the pathway to righteousness and godliness and, and peace beyond this is, is why there's room for everyone because a loving God, right, would accept everybody. That's the lie that culture feeds us. And there's many ways to the, the enlightenment. There's many ways to recovery. There's many ways to freedom, but that's not at all what God's word says. Again, he says, you can enter God's kingdom only through a narrow gate. And it's only in God's kingdom, it's only in his presence and relationship with him that we find freedom from our brokenness, that we find freedom from addictions, that we find healthy marriages and good relationships. It's only through that. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and his gate is wide for many who choose that way. For so much of my life, I was on the broad road, the highway leading straight to destruction. And if you would have asked me before I knew God and knew the things of God, I would have assumed that my felony committing butt, my narcissistic self, my manipulating personality, my abusive nature somehow was not headed towards anything but beauty and paradise on the other side. But the truth of the matter was I was headed towards destruction as many of us are. But the gate is narrow. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But, say but, but the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult. Only a few, say a few, only a few will ever find it. And, and, and we get off track, and we get off base, but this gate, right, we, we know it, we come to know it in faith. It's Jesus. It's the only way. Jesus said, I am the way. That's singular, the, the way, the only way, the truth and the life. And we have to know that. But, but even when we come to the gate, when we pass through it, there's a road to walk. It's our race, it's our journey. And it's difficult. Unfortunately, we come to the gate. We raise our hand, we make a commitment. We get insurance, whatever that may be. And then we get to the road. And the first pebble, the first time we stub our little pinky toe, we want to run back to the, the highway. The highway's good. It's got bars and women and rock and roll, and there's really nothing against rock and roll, man. I love some good music, but we go back to the things of the world, right? We, we get back, there's like, that's uncomfortable. I don't know who lied to you, but the gospel was always meant to be uncomfortable. The, the truth of God was always meant to be hard and difficult, but we've been force-fed this lie. And so when we make the commitment, because we've listened to the world so much, we want to quit the moment we start that difficult road. But again, he says, 
The gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult. Only a few will ever find it. Tonight's message is titled this, Unfashionable Virtues. And what I want to talk about is virtues. I want to talk about sanctification. Now, before everyone checks out tonight, I'm not breaking out chastity belts. You know, we're not getting purity rings, nothing like that. Though some of you probably need it. I've seen some of the offspring around here. I'm just not. Janelle. Um, For those of you who don't know, that's my wife. Man, those kids are crazy. Somebody should have kept us reproduced from reproducing like a long time ago, man. Six shawls running around is at least six too many. But I want to talk about virtues, right? A higher standard of morality. I want to talk about sanctification, right? And that's a churchy word. I get it. And, and for, if you're like me, there was, there was a time not that long ago where hearing that would cause me to disengage. It's nothing to be afraid of. It's just this process of God dealing with us, setting us apart for something greater. And when I say it like that, right, it causes you to lean in. It's like, oh, that's not so bad. God's setting me apart for a greater work. I want to be a part of that. That's the crowd that we've got to want to and desire to be a part of, right? If, if we're going to lean towards community, if we're going to lean towards fitting in, we've got to make it the right community. We've got to make it the right people. We've got to make it the right things, the, the right trends, right? And so we're going to talk about that tonight. I'm going to talk about our obligation as believers to pursue something greater, a higher calling and the way we walk out our lives each day. The truth of the matter is simple. You're either moving towards the image of Christ or you're moving away from it. And, and the stakes are high for many of us in recovery, right? It, it's, it's painfully, brutally high. For many, it's life and death. Either you learn to walk out the image of Christ or you go back to living under a bridge sticking a needle in your arm. Either you learn to, to walk out the life that Christ has called you to or you're stuck in a broken marriage and you're, you're fornicating and, and you're cheating and you're, your family's broken, right? I mean, the stakes are high and we have to realize we're not called to live that way. God's called us to something different. God's called us to pursue something greater. I'm getting tired of my voice. He's like, man, you sound like an idiot. <laughs> but higher calling and the way we walk out our lives each day. And so again, the truth is simple. You're either moving towards the things of Christ or you're moving away from them. There's no neutral. The moment you think you've arrived this side of heaven, you've fallen into deceit. The enemy has you. And in, and in fact, you're becoming more lost each day. Unfortunately, unfortunately, that movement, right, when we talk about that growth, it can be so subtle. I know for me, like, I don't even know when the light bulb moment was. I showed up here, fornicator, adulteress, right, a, a drunkard, a, a drug addict for so long. And God was dealing with me for so many years before finally a switch flipped. I didn't see any of it until it was so painfully obvious. And so sometimes we get discouraged and we think, I've been at this for so long, Aaron, I don't, I don't see anything. I don't feel the growth, and we want to give up. It's there. I promise you. I promise you. Don't give up. Do not get discouraged. 
And so I want to start tonight in John, uh, John 17. Um, if, you, if you have your Bibles, open it that up. Um, it's the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, John chapter 17. If you don't, we put all of the notes again for you on the YouVersion Bible app. You can pull up the events tab, look for Cedar Point Recovery. You can follow along there as well. But John 17, starting in verse 13, it says this. It says, now I'm coming to you. And this is Jesus, he's praying. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word and the world hates them. Say hates them. Hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. And point number one is this tonight. We are meant to actually be separated from the world. And I love that Jesus said the world hates them. And so if you're stepping foot out into the world and you're going out there and you're walking out your recovery and you're going to work and and everybody seems to be for you, you're probably doing it wrong, right? Because God's actually called us to stand in contrast to the things that we encounter out there. We were never meant to be a part of all of this, to fall into all of the same trends, right? To, To get on board with all of the same things. To, to binge watch Games of Thrones and, and things like that, right? We were actually meant to separate ourselves from the type of indulgences that are out there. It's living for the world that brought us so much destruction. It's living for the world is the reason so many of us have found ourselves needing to be here, right? To, to pursue more, to grow more. We were never meant to be a part of the world. He continues, he says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. I'm gonna stop right there. Sometimes we think, well, God, just take us, right? No, we're meant to do a work. We're meant to do something here. Not only are we meant to be in contrast to the things that take place out there, to stand in opposition, to to assault it, to move forward, to fight culture and take it back for Jesus, we're meant to do that. And he he says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Have you ever thought about that? When we look at Jesus and his life and the way that he was counter to culture and the way that he upended everything, that's how we should be perceived in this life. But we wanna be a part of the in crowd. We're also hesitant to be the weird one. Some of us are hesitant to let anyone know we even go to church, right? We don't want the conversation. We don't want the attention. We don't wanna be labeled that way. Says they do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. And holy set apart. That's that sanctification we talked about earlier, right? To be set apart for the things of God. To be made holy for him. And that's what we were called to. But the problem is, we, we want the church just to be another event. We want our groups just to be another group of friends. And we live our lives the exact same way in here that we were out there. And then we wonder why nothing's changing. For five years, I showed up here and I changed nothing about the way that I behaved. And I wondered why God didn't move in my life. I wondered why I still struggled with lust, why I still struggled in addiction, why I couldn't break free of it. It's because I was doing the same thing here and seeking the same things here that I was seeking out there, not understanding that when I walked through the gate, when I received salvation, I was actually meant to start a new journey, to get on a new road. I never took the off ramp. And I'm barreling down wondering, God, why have you forsaken me? 
Why is all this crap? I don't understand. But the problem wasn't with God. He's faithful. The problem was with me. I wanted the church to look exactly like the bar, if I'm being honest with you. I I didn't want any difference. I didn't want anything that's uncomfortable. I wanted it to be exactly the same. And so many of us do that. We want to bring all of that in here. We want to bend God's word to our will, to our ways, when in fact, this was meant to shape everything that takes place out there. And if you want to walk out your recovery in a way that honors God and brings about true and lasting change, stop bringing the world in here and start taking the church out there in the way you live because we were never meant, we were never meant to be a part of the world. We're meant to be in it and stand in contrast. We are meant to be separated from the world. The truth of God's word, it sets us apart. You should look different. You should be uncomfortable as you grow to be more like Jesus. Again, point number one, we are meant to be separated from the world. If you would turn to 2 Peter, um, we're going to be in chapter one. I've got three more points for you. And you're like, four points? Yes, four points. Everybody will survive. I'm going to be fast-ish, fast-ish. Um, so we're going to be in Second Peter. This is written by the Apostle Peter, right? The one that, that um, denied Jesus three times, that, that lived with him, that, that worked with him, that walked with him, that was his friend, a part of his inner circle. This was a letter that was written to some churches in Asia Minor, right? And he's, he's helping to encourage them. And so Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1, it says, this letter is from Simon Peter a slave, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. The faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and our Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. And then he continues, by his divine power, God has given us everything. Say everything. God has given everything you everything. He's giving us everything we need for living a godly life. Have you ever woken up and feeling inadequate? I can't tell you how many times I feel ill-equipped to to minister to my wife and to give her the things that she needs. And if you were to ask her, she would say frequently, my husband lacks in the ability to make me feel loved. But the truth of the matter is, it's not that God didn't give me everything. It's that I'm refusing or neglecting to utilize what he's given me to be a godly husband? Have you ever felt like striking your kids in the face and the only thing that stands in the way is a DHS case? Can I get an amen, right? Right. But you have the ability to be a godly parent. God has given you everything you need. For so long, for so long, I thought I was born on the wrong side of the tracks My grandpa was an alcoholic. His dad was an alcoholic. His dad was an alcoholic. Everyone in my neighborhood are drug addicts and drug dealers. So that's all I can be. That's all I'm equipped for. What a lie. What a bunch of crap. Because when you begin to look at God's word, he says, in fact, I've given you everything you need to remove your head from your rear end and begin to live in a manner that honors me, right? That's the truth of it, right? He says, I've given you 
By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this. We've received all this. What, by, by being born to the right family, by having the right pedigree, because we went to Bible college or the right school or any of those things? No. We have received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. You know what that means? You didn't actually have to work to get what you need. God gifts it to us when we receive him. That's why we do recovery that way here, right? That's why there's not 12 steps because there's one step, it's Jesus. And it's a process of pursuing him, right? That's why we do it this way because that's all you need. You need Christ in the middle of every part of your life. And when you do that, he moves you to being godly, sanctified, set apart for his good work, having everything you need to carry it out. And point number two is this, we are all equipped to live apart from this world. It's difficult. Jesus said it would be. The road is difficult. He did not say it's impossible. And so many times, so many of us have said, I can't do that. I can't live that way. You don't know my past. You don't know my struggle. You don't know my trauma. You're right, I don't. And it's not that I don't care, but I don't care. Live for Jesus, right? That, that's, the, that's the answer. That's the answer. He's given you everything you need to live apart from this world. He continues, and because of his glory and excellence, he's given us great and precious promises, promises of salvation and redemption and freedom. Pick up your word. Let the truth set you free. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. I want you to focus in on that. It enables you to share in his divine nature, to share in the nature of God. That means because of what he's done, we have the ability to be sanctified. Outside of the church, outside of a relationship with Jesus, I get you were probably powerless in your addictions and your struggles, but because of his divine promises, we share in his divine nature. When we share in his divine nature, we can be holy. We can be set apart. We can grow to be more Christ-like in the way we deal with our relationships, the way that we deal with this world, the way that we're supposed to stand in contrast out there. Again, point number two, we are all equipped to live apart from this world. We're going to continue 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 5, and it says, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith. Let's pause right there. That's where so many of us miss it. We raise our hand. We came to church. We show up next week, but we don't even make any investment for growth. That's it. There's no, God's called us actually to do more. That's the difficult road. It's hard. It's hard for me to have a consistent prayer life sometimes. A lot of the times, I got six kids, right? I have a wife that needs attention. I have a busy job, right? That's a difficult road. I'm not supplementing my faith when I lack in that area. He's called me to pick up my Bible and read it, and that's hard sometimes. Not because I don't love God, but because life is busy. Sometimes I'm angry. 
I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm so ticked off that I can no longer focus on my Bible. Sometimes I'm just tired or distracted. But he says, in view of all this, make every effort. Effort's something that so many of us run away from. I would, Pastor Aaron, but it's hard. I, I would, but it's, it's difficult. I don't have time. And what we really mean is I don't want to make it a priority right now, but in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control. Whoops, self-control. That doesn't fit in today's culture, right? No, but supplement it with self-control. Self-control with patient endurance, patience endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Point number three is this. Living apart leads us to a place of growth. Far too often, we step in. We don't supplement our faith with anything. We don't supplement our recovery, which is Christ-centered, which is a picture of us walking in our salvation. We don't put any effort in it, and we wonder why we don't grow. And we're like, well, listen, I showed up here. What, what, what more does God need from me, right? I gave him 68 minutes of my Monday. Why am I not free? I don't understand. Well, because you're lazy. You're not doing anything. I don't, I mean, and I was there. I do that. It requires us to put effort it's in, it's in English, right? Thank God for Bible translators that, that put it in words we can all understand. Even me, the high school dropout, can read that it's effort. Effort. And with effort, we do what? We grow. And when we grow, the struggles, God deals with them. Man, he'll, he'll journey with you. It's a beautiful thing that we all have an opportunity to take part in. Point number three. Living apart leads us to a place of growth. We have to make the effort. We've got we've to seek him. He, he already sought us out, right? He, he's done his part. We pursue him in everything that we do. And again, I was here for so long, and I didn't understand. And I would cry out to God, God, why am I still so stupid? God, why do I still struggle so much? And the truth was I wasn't actually doing anything but complaining to God. In the moment, I surrendered and said, all right, God, break out the hammer. You know how, how dull and thick I am. And just let him work me over. And, and he said, do this, right? I'm doing this. And it's not that works, you know, save us, but God does call us to work. I know that's a hard thing for some of us to hear, but he, he calls us to it as we do this. We grow. Growth leads to so much fruit in our lives. So many good things. And so again, point number three, living apart leads us to a place of growth. Let's look at verse nine as we begin to look at point number four. And it says, but those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. There's lots of words for that. Um, one of the ones many of us are familiar with is backslidden, right? We 
we do that. And if you're in the recovery world, it's three laps. And then we want to say, well, that wasn't real. God didn't do anything because we fall back into old behaviors and old ways. But it's, it wasn't him. It was us. And point number four is this. Remaining connected to the world leads us to a place of relapse. If I'm not diligent in my relationship with Jesus, I will fail. I will. I have way too many broken places, way too many rough edges. I, I love sin too much, to be honest with you, right? I, I like the world. And because of that, I've got to continue to let God work that out in me and to deal with it so I can become more like him. So I will hate those things. But when we want to play out there and we want to dabble in, in those things and make it a part of our life and think that we can have one foot in and, and, and one foot out, we will fail every time. We, we've seen too many do it. Too many people we love have lost their life doing that. Too many marriages of couples that we, we value are divorced because that's what they've done. Too many broken families because they lack that commitment. God wants everything. God wants all of you. He wants us not to be of the world, right? We have to be here for a time to do his work. But we need to disconnect from that culture. It's not ours. God's called us to something greater. He's called us to be set apart. He's called us to be sanctified. Remaining connected to the world leads us to a place of relapse. He says this in verse 10 and 11. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard. Say work hard. Work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. What a powerful statement from God's word, I want you to meditate on that. If you've struggled for so long, what a powerful statement. So is it God or is it you? Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I want you to do this right where you're at tonight. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think about where you're at. I want you to think about your position. Are you still so wrapped up in your old life and the things of the world? Are you still madly in love with all of, all of the flesh? that you've lost sight of God, that you've failed to surrender. Ask God, I love Psalms 139, search me, O God. Test me, know my thoughts, right? Point out anything in me that offends you. Pray and ask God, Lord, is that me? Am I still stuck out there? Am I still holding on? Lord, help me to see. Just spend a moment with him. Ask him to reveal that to you.
God, we thank you. God, we thank you so much for not leaving us in our sin, for not leaving us condemned, for not leaving us enslaved. Father, we thank you so much for giving us a way out. Lord, forgive us for each and every time that we go back and we pick those things up. God, forgive us for those times where we fail, that we backslide, that we stumble, that we we relapse. God, help us to have the truth of your word in our hearts so clear, so clear that we never lose sight of the fact that you've dealt with those things, that you've freed us from those things. You've conquered it all. Help us to stand firm in our faith. Help us to stand firm in our recovery. God, our resolve to keep pressing forward, to stop looking back. God, I pray over those tonight that that are in a struggle right now. Give them the strength and the courage, God, to set it down. Give them the strength and the courage, God, to give it to you, to just surrender to you, Father, and commit to a life that's marked by you and you alone. And we thank you, God, for everything that you've done and that you continue to do. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, we're called not to just be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word, right? And so we've got some action steps for you tonight. Number one, accept that you've been called to a godly life. That seems simple, but I remember in my brokenness thinking, that's not for me. Because again, I mean, all of the, the awful things I did, and it's like, I, I can't be godly. I can't live that. God's got the wrong person, but you, we have to accept it. Just like we have to come to terms with our salvation, right, that God actually did die for us and forgave us, we have to come to terms with the fact he's called us to live holy and godly lives. Number two, allow the truth of his word to transform you. Be sanctified. Be made holy. Be set apart from all of that brokenness out there. Allow his word to transform you. Number three, grow in your new life seeking to be more like Jesus. You won't be perfect. I know I'm not. But every day, I want to grow to be a little more like him. And as long as I'm moving towards him, I'm moving away from all of that crap I left in the past, right? And so endeavor to grow just to be a little more like Jesus today and a little more like Jesus tomorrow. And I promise you, you'll never regret that decision. Tonight, if it's not painfully obvious, everything we do around here is centered around Jesus, right? And so if you're in here tonight and you've never made that decision, the decision to make him Lord of your life, one, it's the greatest decision, right? And it's the beginning. It's that, that narrow gate. If you've never made that decision, here in just a moment, we're gonna have some people down front And they would love to pray with you and for you and lead you into a relationship with Jesus for the very first time. If you're in here and you've done that, but you've gotten off track, you messed up, you blew it, you you were still stuck out in the world, 
And you want to know, can I recommit? Absolutely. We serve a God of second chances, third chances. I lost track of how many I had to take before it got in my thick skull. But if you want to recommit tonight, our same offer stands here in just a moment. We're going to have some people down here at the front. They would love to pray with you and for you so you can recommit tonight. And then maybe the Holy Spirit's just been dealing with you. And you know the conversations, the God thoughts, right? Where he's saying, that right there, that right there standing in the way of me and you, you need to deal with it. If that's you, we've got some white chips down here. And you guys know there's nothing special about it. It's a piece of plastic. But there's something significant about those moments when we act out our faith, right? When we stand up in front of everybody and we come down and grab one, God honors those moments. And so if that's you, if you're ready to surrender something tonight, here in just a moment, I want, I want you to stand up, come out of your seat in front of everybody and pick up one of these chips, committing to let God deal with that broken place. And then lastly, maybe you're in here and you just need prayer. And you want to know, can somebody pray with me? I don't know what to do. I just know that I need prayer. We would love to do that. This is a house of prayer. So for any of those things, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a white chip, or just to receive prayer, we want to encourage you to, to stand up, step out of your seat, to come down front and join us. If everybody would, if you'd stand to your feet as we close in worship.